I found in my life that the Psalms are probably the most important tool in my prayer life. And when I look around our culture today, Psalm 51 stands out to me as a particularly important psalm that helps me understand that my God is a God of forgiveness. I'm thinking about our culture and I think about cancel culture. I look around and I see Dr. Zeus and Gina Carano, the host of The Bachelor, even appoints Governor Cuomo and um, so many names we could get into that uh, have seen themselves in the face of cancel culture. And in many cases, their lives being written off and them no longer having a voice and uh, worse yet, uh, being the recipients of just constant barrages um, of uh, attacks. And, and, and it's a lack of forgiveness itself that has uh, got me worried um, I look at our culture and I, and I almost feel like uh, the famous uh, hacker group, Anonymous, uh, their slogan is almost what I hear coming from uh, the mass of humanity, especially on the internet. If you remember, the Anonymous' slogan says, we are anonymous, we are legion, we do not forgive, we do not forget, expect us. I think it's amazing that they use the word legion. We are legion. Because if you remember those words in in the Bible, it's actually coming from the multitude of demons that Jesus is going to cast out, right? And they say that we are legion. The idea that uh, the the legion does not forgive and the culture we're in is is not forgiving uh, is something that really hits hard because I think we've all, you know, had things we've been ashamed of. We've all fallen. We've all sinned. And I'm so thankful that our God is not a God who wants to cancel us. And so there's times in my life when I uh, am ashamed of something I've done, I turn to Psalm 51. It's something that's really powerful to me, that the fact that God gave us an example of someone who's done something probably woefully beyond what most of us have done. And yet God forgives David and actually God will use. And this is Psalm 51. It begins with, for the director of music, a Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. I think about that. This is after a very evil and heinous act. David has committed adultery. He's actually committed murder. If you remember, he puts Uriah at the front lines. And this is very problematic. In our culture, uh, David may be considered guilty of rape. And there's a lot of big questions about this. Um, Back then, obviously, uh, he was the king. He'd be able to do what he wanted. Uh, And what he was guilty of, for sure, was adultery. He'd taken this uh, married woman. uh, And then he ended up putting the husband into a place where he would be murdered. Uh, This is... a huge betrayal of trust that has happened between him and a good friend. He has put this woman in a compromising position and he gets confronted by a prophet of God, Nathan, who comes up to him and gives the story of a farmer who is rich and takes the lamb of a person who only has one lamb. He has a whole flock and he takes this one lamb and then David says, what, what, what will happen? And then David says, I will take that. I will punish him. And then and Nathan points at him and says, you are that man. Like You've taken this one woman from this man and you've committed this adultery. And What's interesting is David as king could have said, well, I'm king. I get to do what I want. And yet David, the reason that David is a man after God's own heart is because he recognizes his sin and he confesses it. And this Psalm is a confession of his sin. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, 
blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb, and you taught me wisdom in that secret place. We are all sinful from birth. We are born into this situation, and we all have to say, God, you are right. You are right in your judgment. What I've done is sin, and this is really important. Stop pretending. This is such an important lesson I've learned. Stop pretending. Call it what it is. You have hurt God. When I sin, it's so easy to try to cover it up, to try to hide it, pretend it wasn't, to rationalize it to myself. But I have a freedom here just to say to God, I've, I've sinned against you. I've hurt you. Now for David, he says that only against you have I sinned. You'd say, well, what about Uriah? What about the Sheba? Well, he's the king. And in many ways, he is the law, right? So a lot of people say, ah, you didn't do anything wrong. You're, you're a king. You are the law. But he knows he's not. He knows even as king, he is subject to God. And so he says, I am wrong. Nicotine is on, cleanse me with hyssop in verse seven, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love this. God was always a God of forgiveness. It didn't just come with Jesus. He was always forgiving. He was always loving. This is what God's, God does. And he, and he cleanses. He hides his face from sin. I love this. The internet never forgets. The internet never forgives. But God forgives. And not only does he forgive, he offers you a chance to have a a pure heart. Isn't that amazing? You can be recreated to restore a joy. This is what he's, he's clamoring for. This is what he's asking for. And we know that Jesus changed everything. You know, in, in David's day, it was difficult. He had to do sacrifices, he did all sorts of things. But the promise that of forgiveness that David is asking for is, is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus does this for all of you. He creates a clean heart. He washes away sin. He doesn't hold it against you. Think of all the times we've seen this. The woman who was caught in adultery, prostitutes, tax collectors who are stealing from the poor. And Jesus offers a new heart, Christ within, a Holy Spirit. He gives joy, a a new type of joy, a joy that can live through all of this. And what happens when, when David receives this? He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways, so the sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are my savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You did not delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. 
you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. See, our response to this forgiveness that we receive is not to attack others and condemn them. It's, it's to help others see God. To, to sing praises, to, to help them see what you've done, uh, what's been done for you, to, to offer a broken heart. Do you, do, you, do you hear this? God wants a broken heart. He wants you to confess this. So this is what I want to say. It's something I've learned in my life through this psalm. Repent. Repent. Let go of the secrets. We hold on to so many secrets. The secrets are killing you. They're eating you up inside. Don't be like Shaggy and say, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't your parents' fault. It was in me before I was born. It wasn't the circumstances. Oh, I've had these circumstances. Blah, blah, blah. You have a choice. Circumstances led David to do some horrible things, but he had a choice in the process. He didn't make excuses. He didn't say, oh, I need this, or she was really beautiful, or, or what was I supposed to do? I'm a king, and I need... No, no excuses. They are useless. I, this is something I think God is calling us to, church, don't fool yourself. Your sins cannot be hidden. They will manifest. They will hurt you. It is not better to push them down and pretend. So all of us who are gathered as, as a community in Tyndale, we need to confess. We need to, to open them up. And we need to accept the consequences as well. I mean, this doesn't mean you have to tell everyone. Right? It means, it, you know, you need to make it right. Now, David accepts guilt here. And, and I want to point out that this is really amazing that David writes this psalm for singing for the congregation. He actually opens up his heart to his entire nation and, and admits his sin before them because he writes a song for them to sing that, that is now sung to this day. And, and you have to think about it. He, when he's writing the song, he is tarnishing his legacy. He recognizes that he will now be remembered for a heinous crime. I hate a sin against God. It is recorded for all of human history. And he writes it down because he realizes it's the right thing to do. He has to do it. And he gets remembered because he is open about this. He gets remembered as being a prophet. He gets remembered about being a great king. He gets remembered as being a, the, the great, great, great uh, uh, progenitor of the Messiah. Part of... All of this was his willingness to face his own darkness and then put light onto it, right? Because God wants a broken heart. He needs a broken heart. When it says that David is a man after God's own heart, it's because his heart was broken. He was honest. He was truthful. He admitted that his heart was ugly and wrong. And that allowed God to heal it. And to use him despite his brokenness. Actually, because of his brokenness, he's able to be used. If you hold on to the sin in your heart, it'll harden. A hardened heart is the exact opposite of a broken heart. This is what happened to Pharaoh. A hardened heart to hide your sin will doom you. It will always end in tragedy. A broken heart can overcome tragedy and lead to a feel-good turnaround story. Let's remember this. Contrition is not self-flagellation. It's not beating yourself up. Conviction is not condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is actually what we do to ourselves when we push it down and we don't deal with it. We just keep condemning ourselves. We live with the skill. It's repressed. It hurts us. We start to resent ourselves, to hate ourselves. 
we need to be people who are in touch with our hearts. When God is convicting you of something, you have a sense of uneasiness. You won't have peace until you let it go. You won't have rest in your mind until you bring it to God. And so I just want to say, let's ask Jesus what it is. What is it in my heart that is uneasy and restless? What do I need, Lord? And then act on it right away. The longer you wait, the worse it gets. Confessing brings freedom. It brings release. I felt it in my life when I just pour it out to God. It allows me to be free. And, and you know what? Accept the consequences. Sometimes it's going to sting. But it's going to sting much less than if you suppress it. And God may discipline you. You know, discipline's not fun. Um, but the discipline is actually to help you. It's helped to restore you. It might hurt, but it's the same way the dentist hurts when you are going to the dentist, right? It, yes, it involves pain, but there's way less pain in the long term. God wants to soften your heart. Let him do it the easy way. Open up. Decide today. No more secrets. Don't let them eat you up any longer. Be free. Ask yourself, is there anything I haven't confessed? And be willing to actually confess it. And maybe confess it to someone you really trust. Confess your sins one to another, it says. Let this out of you. Let God do his work. Don't try to clean yourself up. Ask God to clean you up. Only God can give you joy. Stop saying it's hopeless. Start hoping. God can release you from everything, from addictions. God can do it. I've seen it. In my own life, he will free you. you. You know that he can bring you a sense of peace. So let it out. And then, you know what? Let God know about it. Let people know about it. Surrender it. Start talking about forgiveness. Start talking about the things that God has freed you from. And, and let's be able to, to recognize that we can actually talk about forgiveness in a, in a world that is actually craving forgiveness because it's so unforgiving. And, and people who disagree with you vehemently, just you know, show them love. Because you will be able to talk about forgiveness in a way that is able to show them something that they are craving, that God offers. Talk about your story. Admit your weakness. To point to God. Just imagine if we were a community in Tyndale where, where Saved by Grace wasn't just a slogan. It was a way of life where people would see us increasing in mercy and joy all together. God will never cancel you. Jesus will never cancel you. He actually says in John 6, uh, 37, all those the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. He will not drive away. He wants to live, uh, help you live in forgiveness. You can step into the light, allow the darkness to fade away. Use Psalm 51, pray it. Use it and claim it because God is not a God of canceling. He is a God of forgiveness and he will allow you to live a life of freedom. Lord, allow us to pray your Psalms in a way that opens our hearts to be softened. Make us people who show a path of forgiveness because we were forgiven. Amen.